I'm Jillian Raymond, the co-creator of Juicy Bits and the Coalition Snow Ambassador. And I'm Jen Gorecki, your co-host and the CEO of Coalition Snow. For those of you who are with us in Season 1, we are glad you're back. For those of you who are new, get ready to laugh, cry, and maybe pee your pants a little. Juicy Bits is all about taking conversations that we start on the chairlift and at the trailhead and even at the dinner table and bringing them to you bi-monthly for productive, meaningful conversations that explore alternative narratives to the conventional dialogue about what it means to be a woman in modern society. Grab your helmet because sometimes it's a bumpy ride. FYI, this podcast is for mature audiences, so you've been warned. Let's get to work and juice the patriarchy. Hi, everyone. This is Jen Gorecki um, here with a very special guest for this episode of Juicy Bits. We, of course, are all going to miss Jillian that she's not here, but we have another incredible human being, Carrie Williams, who's going to join us for today's show. Carrie, welcome to Juicy Bits. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. It's my pleasure. So I want to just, I'm just going to read a little bit about you because I'm thinking that there's a good chance that a lot of our audience um, has never heard of you before, which is why I wanted you on the show because you've done just a couple things <laughs> in your life. Right. <laughs> just a few. Um, so for all of you who don't know who Carrie Williams is, um, she's a former Olympic style boxer an Olympic level boxing coach, a boxing club owner, a cover model, a speaker, and she's also an entrepreneur who created the Too Pretty brand and the hashtag Never Too Pretty movement. That is correct. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a, and I'm a little bit scared. I'm hoping that in this conversation everything goes well because um, you're a boxer and I've never been, I've never been in a fight in my entire what? life. <laughs> that's a good, Ever. that's a good thing, right? That's a really good thing. <laughs> I, I think it is a, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. Have you, okay. Have you ever been in a fight, not in the ring? Let's just get, let's just let's get, get into right it. to it. Uh, I have, uh, yeah. when I was a teenager, so I was picked on a lot as a kid. So, uh, yeah, mm. I was raised by my dad and so it was just him and I, so he, he turned me into a tough girl so that uh, I stood up for myself. And uh, so, yeah, I got into a, a few fisticuffs outside of the boxing ring. <laughs> what time in history was this? Like what decade? Was this the 80s? The uh, 90s? Let's see. Well, the, eight, the early 80s, I would say. Yeah. So I was born in 72. So um, I spent a good okay. time of, you know, my childhood in the 70s, which was amazing. Um, but yeah, in the eighties, that's when the, the little shenanigans started with the teenage issues. Well, the reason why I was asking is that I feel like when I was growing up, you could definitely get into fights and it wouldn't be the end of the world. And now I feel like <laughs> a kid got into fights and like the first thing that's going to happen is they're going to go to jail. I mean, very, we live in a very different world now. So this is good to know. Okay. <laughs> I digress. I digress. I mean, I just gave everyone a little intro about you, but but tell us tell us about about you. I'm really curious. How did you get into boxing? Was it was it you know did it come from your father, or were there right. other ways like to get into boxing is exactly. not something that people do, okay. what women do. So uh, so start so start from the my top there. Experience in boxing really comes from not really knowing anything at all in boxing and not being in the sport, but being introduced to it by somebody in high school. So. This person that was in high school I met had been a boxer. 
And when I was graduated from college, um, as I have an environmental science degree, I would hear him say, oh, there's no boxing gyms that you could actually come in and work out as just a regular person. So you couldn't come in and say, I want to learn how to box. You either had to be a fighter or you didn't get to go to the boxing gym. Uh, so when I graduated from college, I was in the government um, industry. So basically, I was working for the government, um, environmental science. It's kind of either you have your own practice uh, consulting or you work for the government. And I didn't enjoy working in a cubicle. And so I kept thinking to myself, what do I want to do? I wanted to be my own boss, essentially, but I wasn't sure what that was going to look like. And I wanted to do something that was different that hadn't been done before. So I decided that I was going to open a gym. And I thought, well, I could open a gym. This guy could be my head trainer and I can do all the business side. Even though I didn't know anything about business, I still thought I could do it. I, you know, like I said, my father raised me to be able to do anything that I put my mind to. So I wrote a business plan. Um, I bought the book called Business Plan for Dummies. And <laughs> right, people don't read. No, people don't even read those anymore. But, <laughs> uh, so I wrote a business plan and I was going to go to the bank to try to get a small business loan. And I didn't really have collateral, um, of course, no experience. And everybody thought I was crazy. Everyone thought there's no way you're going to get a loan. You don't know anything about business. And, you know, you're going to go in there, a 25-year-old, you know, woman and ask for money. So I didn't listen to anybody and I made an appointment with the banker and I went in. This was when you could go in and present your pitch to a banker. And Which you cannot, you cannot do that anymore. Let's no. just be really clear that you do not get loans <laughs> like that at all. I'm just like kind of giggling at it. Like this is like business plan, talking to a banker. This is a... It's very old school. Um, it's okay. Okay. <laughs> Keep Continue, please. Uh, so I went in, I presented everything, and I was pretty pumped about it, of course. So came in with all sorts of energy, and my mind was set that I was going to make this gym successful. Irregardless of if I didn't – I hadn't even worked out, okay? <laughs> this is <crazy. laughs> guy, he looked at me and says, you know what? He says, I'm going to give you a feel-good loan. And I was like, all right, awesome. Like, what is that? I don't know what it is. And he says, well, I feel really good about the project. I feel really good about you. And I feel really good that you're going to pay us back. And <laughs> so there you have it. I, I got my first SBA loan and it was $40,000. I cannot even believe that. <laughs> you got a loan. Okay, yeah. to all of you listening, this does not happen. It doesn't happen you now. No, no, it doesn't. I know. I wish it did, but um, yeah, it, it doesn't. Uh, so I was fortunate. I, I made it happen. And uh, then I was into looking for a building and learning how to uh, negotiate leases for commercial space, learning about tenant improvements, uh, and so on and so forth. So here I am just learning away about all these things I had known nothing about. And uh, I opened my first boxing gym in the neighborhood that I was from. Uh, because it was a redevelopment area. So there were a lot of grants that they were offering for the area. And um, it's a really bad neighborhood, obviously. But uh, so I found a space. You know, the funny thing is, is that I dealt with a couple of different uh, real estate agents. And most of them were men. Um, actually, all except one was a female. 
And they all had quite a little like scoffing attitude toward me um, as I was looking for space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a 25, 26 year old woman and they're looking at me like, um, yeah, right. You're going to open this gym. Um, yeah, whatever. So, um, you know, they were kind of belittling actually. And so, but I met this uh, woman, Joanne Shapiro, and she helped me out tremendously to find the perfect space. And she was so supportive and so helpful and it was like the first experience of me like feeling a part of a female community. Like I was like, yeah, she's got my back. Um, and then, you know, growing up with growing up an only child and being raised by your father, you don't have a lot of female influence. And so um, it was just really refreshing to to see it, you know. So, OK, so you, you start this gym, but then um, you still aren't boxing. Yeah, still not boxing. Um, so, did you start boxing because entrepreneurship was so difficult that you had to let out some aggression, or was it that you had to like punch <laughs> some people, or where? Because at this point, we're just like, yay, we got a loan, got found this great agent, found found the space, and we're still not punching anything yet. Right. No. Okay. Uh, it ended up being that. I was pretty good at business and the first year did $100,000 in, in revenue, um, which back then was a, a lot of money, um, still is mm-hmm. a lot of money. And uh, we got really busy. And so I had to help be a trainer. So I started to become an assistant trainer, assistant coach. And um, and then next thing you know, I've got you know fighters underneath me, meaning I'm training uh, kids to compete in the boxing ring. So it wasn't just, you know, people just working out at this point, it was actually competitive fighters. And after a couple years, I thought this is kind of hypocritical. How can I teach somebody how to box or teach them or just even know what it's like to fight in the boxing ring if I haven't stepped in there and competed in boxing. And so I decided that I wanted to compete. And so that's how I started competing. Did you win? Oh, yeah. And I lost. <laughs> of course. As is life. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Winning, losing. I mean, yeah, I did all of that. Um, it, you know, it was it was challenging. Um, it's, it's one of the most physically challenging things I've ever done in my life. Um, but also one of the most, um, I'd say, like, the biggest challenge mentally is stepping into a boxing ring and knowing that it's like you're going to battle like you know this person's trying to punch you in the face and will punch you in the face um and you can't just turn around and run you know you have to face it and you have to figure it out and go okay why am i getting hit with that punch i need to slip or i need to bob or i need to step back or whatever so it's um it's quite uh (laughs) it's I don't know. It's just, it's a completely different experience. And the other experience that is like no other when you're actually in the ring competing, um, this is after some time of competing and your, your body's starting to get used to it. Your mind's getting used to it. Um, you kind of have this, um, I think they call it inertia where it's like you, you, things are coming at you very quickly, but in your brain, you're able to slow them down and make them slow motion so that you can react to them. And it's the most surreal thing that I have ever experienced. You know, you can see punches coming at you in a slow way to where you can get out of the way. Whereas to the naked eye, to everybody watching, they're fast. 
Um, so I don't know, it's like being in a slow motion movie, kind of. Okay, for real, how badly does it hurt to get hit? Scale of one to 10, 10 being like serious pain, like I would imagine like childbirth pain. <laughs> one being I have a paper cut. How does it, what is that pain like of getting hit in the ring? You know, when it happens, unless it's a punch that's going to give you a concussion, um, you don't really feel it. Uh, really? Yeah, you, because your adrenaline's so high. I think it's probably like similar for, you know, maybe somebody who's snowboarding or something and, you know, they're just like killing it and then all of a sudden they bail. The initial, like they could have broken a bone, but initially they don't really feel it. It doesn't hurt right, right. away. But then after you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it's it's like that. It's just your adrenaline's so high that right away you don't feel it. And then afterward, you definitely feel it. A lot of recovery, huh? Uh, yeah. Yeah, depending on the fight. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's a tough fight, then yeah, it takes, it takes a bit of time to recover. Um, I've never been knocked out in boxing. I actually was knocked out snow skiing, though. <laughs> oh well you're still with us so that's good yeah yeah so it's really um, good what was your most memorable fight um I would say uh, a tournament up north it was uh the pacific northwest tournament and I boxed a girl who had really large defined muscles as in she probably was on steroids um it was it seemed a pretty evident to everybody around me they were trying to like not worry me about it but <laughs> mm -hmm. but um she definitely was she was pretty yoked and um she hit so hard and it was a really tough fight for me i barely won and it was just surely because i had better skills than her but uh, after that fight, I had such a concussion and it took, that was like one of the fights took me a long time to recover from. And it also is like a mental recovery, you know, even though I barely won, I've still felt like, oh my God, I got my ass kicked in there. And um, you question, you're like, should I go back in the ring again? Do I really want to do this? So yeah. yeah, it was, it was nuts. Well, at some point in your career, you did, you did make an active decision to not go back into the ring. So Talk us through that. Like, when did you know that you were done professionally competing as a boxer and you were going to move on to the next stage of your life? Uh, well, there were two reasons. One was I was boxing as an elite amateur because I, you know, always thought, well, maybe one day women will get to box in the Olympics, which when I was boxing, we didn't get to box in the Olympics. But there's an age deadline. So by the time you're 34, you no longer get to box in the amateurs. So that was one reason. And I still couldn't box in the Olympics because we weren't allowed to. Um, and the other reason was that I was growing my boxing club chain. So I had three gyms open and it took so much time and energy for both business and then competing. I couldn't continue to do both of them and do them at the level that I needed to do them at. And I had employees at the time and, and it just seemed like the right thing to do to just not compete anymore and just focus on my business. Gotcha. What do you miss most about boxing? I miss most, um, as far as competing in boxing, I miss the strategy of it, being able to be in the ring and, you know, kind of outthink the person in there. You know, we call them feints. So like, say I'm going to 
act like I'm throwing a punch, which is called a feint. And then I don't, but it makes them have a reaction. And so then I throw a different punch based off of the reaction that they have. So it's like playing chess kind of in the boxing ring. And so I missed, I missed that part of it. Yeah, I could see, I could see that for sure. Cause I would think that you wouldn't miss getting punched in the face. I mean, I was waiting for you to say that, but <laughs> I would, I'm glad I'm good because that seems really masochistic. If you're like, I miss just getting the shit beat out of me. That's what I miss the most, oh my God. but no, it's the strategy. Okay. That makes sense to me. I, this makes sense. Okay. So you are growing the business and we've got this age limit and women can't compete. And, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you. So I was born in 77. So I remember a time when women were not like allowed to compete and, and across all sort of sports. Right. So, um, I can only imagine how frustrating that would have been to have like wanted something so badly and, and you're not, even there is no possibility whatsoever. So you, you eventually take a step back from boxing, grow the business, and then at some point, what comes along is too pretty. So how'd you get started with that? Well, I, when I was competing, uh, just you know, training in the gym and whatnot, a lot of people that would, uh, even outside, would know that I was boxing. Uh, they would look at me and say, oh, they would just have this like look on their face like, um disbelief. And um, it's because I'm a pretty petite person. Um, I'm pretty feminine. And I think they just looked at me like, there's no way that you're a boxer. And if you are, you can't possibly be good at it. Without them saying it, I mean, they pretty much said it. And, um, and then, uh, you know, sometimes somebody would say, Oh, but you're, you know, you're gonna mess up your pretty face. Ah, you know, just stupid shit like that. Did you punch them when they said that to you? I should have. <laughs> I think so. And uh, I, I thought, uh, and then one time somebody, in the, when I was sparring, because um, when you're sparring, you have your headgear on, and I, I wore very baggy clothes when I sparred. You couldn't tell if I was a boy or a girl. You know, it didn't matter. Um, and I got out of the boxing ring, and this one of the fathers was there with his son, and he said, wow, he's like, damn, he's like, you fight like a boy. And nowadays that's not appropriate and it's not impressive that someone says you do something like a boy. Mm -hmm. but back then in the boxing world it was a compliment okay it just was a compliment yeah. so uh i thought i'm gonna make this um i'm gonna make these t-shirts for the clubs for the girls and it's gonna say never too pretty to hit like a boy hmm. and that was just out of my own personal experience it wasn't what was politically correct or not it was just my own personal experience and uh, so I made these little T-shirts at the clubs, and all the girls loved them. And uh, so then I thought, well, shit, there must be a lot of other girls and women out there not doing boxing necessarily. They could be doing anything that's male-dominated. And they're told similarly, um, yeah, you probably shouldn't be doing that because you're a girl. And, uh, and it just got me to thinking, you know, maybe my purpose is to have more outreach, um, to the female community and reach out to those that maybe have been, you know, maybe have uh, been stifled by somebody saying you shouldn't do that. And then they don't do it. I mean, you know, maybe they didn't have somebody strong as a role model that said, you know, what, F them, you can do it. Uh, so I wanted to be that. And so that's why I created the two pretty brand. 
but it's grown quite a bit since then. So it's, it started off as you making, making teas for, for some of the women in your, in your gym, but now you are, I mean, you're an official, you're a brand, you're recognizable. You have, I don't, you have like a couple Instagram followers, um, just, just the two, um, I don't know, almost 50,000 followers. Um, so how did, how, I mean, obviously you, you like to take risks. You like to do things that women in particular don't do. Um, you clearly like to prove, prove them wrong, you know? Um, so yeah. Oh yeah. I have a lifetime full of naysayers. Exactly. Oh yeah. But you know, what's funny. Naysayers don't realize that when they do that, they make you just want it more Mm -hmm. and you go after it more. It's so interesting because you would, you know, they, they would think that what they're actually doing is tearing you down. But, but for me, and it sounds like for you as well, it's the exact opposite. The more that people tell me that I can't do something, I am like, Oh really? Watch this. I'm going to do it. Like I, I'm like, you know, I triple dog dare someone to tell me I cannot do something. Yeah, it's, um, it's fire. It just, it fuels that fire mm-hmm. in you. So yeah, we're, we're one and the same. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So back, back to my question, how started off as teas. How did you get too pretty to where it is now? Well, what happened was I, um, had some personal issues where I lived up north in California and I decided that I was going to completely change my life. I was going to move away from my hometown at 40 years old and kind of start over. And so let's just say I have an ex-husband. Okay. So I gave 30 day notice to where I was living and then I decided I was going to keep the gyms up north, run them from afar, open a new gym in Santa Monica, and then that was going to be my moment to start the brand on, you know, a little more grandioso level. So that's what I did about six years ago, and I started, I think I had about $2,000 in my account to start the brand, and I paid someone to do a website, and I bought, like, the first order of halter tops and T-shirts um, from a manufacturer, actually, that I had used for my boxing gear for the gyms. That's how it started, really. And then from there, I felt like Instagram and, you know, the whole so- social media thing was really important. And I wanted to create a movement, which was what you were talking about earlier, the Never Too Pretty movement. And so I thought, well, I want to have girls and women get on Instagram. I want them to take a picture of themselves holding a sign up. And then it says never too pretty to, and then it would be whatever it is. It could be never too pretty to race cars. It could be never too pretty to be a professor or whatever. Uh, and then I would have them take a photo of them holding the sign, post it on their Instagram hashtag the whole bit, and then tell us their story. Um, and that's how we started to create the female community around too pretty. Awesome. When you look forward, do you have anything in the works you can share with us? Or do you have sort of an evolved mission um, or vision of where you'd like to see it go? Oh, gosh. You know, I don't have more of an evolved mission um, as I have before. And the mission has always been to at least generate enough uh, profit to where we can give back to the girls. And 
you know, it is a movement and it's a message and it's kind of been that. So it hasn't been this super profitable company that I know it can be, uh, but it's, you know, me being pulled in a lot of different directions aside from Too Pretty. You know, I, I still have my boxing club here. I have a new company called Boxing and Barbells. So, you know, it's it's just all of those things. But there's a woman, uh, Brittany, who has been helping me a lot with the brand. And I just recently gave her a, a large percentage of the companies to help take over operations so that we can get to the point of where I see Too Pretty and where it can go. Uh, and this just all actually happened like just a few days ago. <laughs> so Wow, congrats. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah, so it's it's big and new and scary, you know, because it's like my baby. But at the same time, it needs more nurturing. And and I, you know, like I said, I once I spread myself too thin, then nothing gets done, right? Yeah. So, um, so Brittany is absolutely a big part of it now and um, helping to – you know, get us to where we need to be. And that's to create enough profit where we can give back to the girls um, in more of, of a monetary sense, not just support wise, but you know, yeah. financially. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've definitely spent some time looking on your website and um, looked at your Instagram and, and just so that our listeners know the, the way that we met as it's actually, I believe, Brittany, who reached out to, to me at Coalition and said, you know, love to partner on a giveaway, um, which I checked you out. And I was like, absolutely. I really appreciate um, the mission of Too Pretty. So that's how you and I even came to be here today. But, you know, one of the things that I read a lot about and I even I talk to a number of pe- people about is, is really when we think about the way that society has told women what is pretty and the way that they're supposed to look. And, you know, being fit is something that is different for every single woman. And we live in a country where we shame women if they're not thin enough, if they're not fit enough, if they don't really cater to the male gaze. So I'm curious, how is it that you approach supporting women, trans women, anyone who identifies as a binary gender construct, like how do you support those people in just feeling comfortable with their own body, regardless of the size or, or the look? I think, you know, and I was asked this question before because of the name of the brand. And I think like sometimes it gets taken into a different context. Like what does pretty mm-hmm. mean? And it doesn't mean what, you know, like you said, like what the male gaze is, right? It's mm-hmm. what makes you feel good what makes you feel important what makes you feel strong what makes you feel all of those things when you're a little girl you're not really sure what's going to happen as you grow older right you're just a little girl so when people see you and you may not remember this because you're very young but the first thing people say when they see you and they say to your parents or your parent oh she's so pretty it's like the first mm-hmm. word that comes out of most people's mouths, right? And so yeah. it, it was just really kind of that feeling like, you know, oh, you see someone that says, oh, that makes me feel so pretty. It makes you feel good. It's not just a visual. It's just more of a feeling. It's more of like how you feel. Um, yeah. So I. Well, and it's interesting, too, that, you know, that we that that is said. Yeah. To little girls. Imagine if we started saying to little girls, 
You look so smart. Well, I did. Damn, girl, you're smart as shit. Oh, you are so strong. Like, imagine if we did that, right? And that's where I was going with it is that for me personally, when I see a little girl, I don't use any terms that have to do with how she looks and what we call how she looks like pretty. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's always something, oh, wow, you're such a strong little one. Like, you know, it's, it's always something to do with like what she's doing, not what she looks like. And that's a big part too of the brand is I feel like, show me what you do. I want to know what you do, not what you look like. What, what are you doing out there? Never too pretty to do what to do. And it's all about action. You know, it's, it's, what are you doing with yourself? What are you doing for other people? You know, all of those things make us feel quote unquote pretty. They make us feel good. And like I said, pretty, the term pretty came from a a personal experience that I had. You know, it's not something that's necessarily politically correct right now. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, Mm -hmm. well, you shouldn't say a girl is pretty. Well, this is the deal. It was my personal experience in the boxing world, you know? So that's how it came about. I can't change the yeah. name of something just because now it's not, it doesn't seem appropriate because that's my own person. Well, I mean, your, your founder's story is so fascinating though, because you were told by a man that you were too pretty to be doing something, yeah. you know, this is, and I'll just say like for any, I mean, I, as another um, entrepreneur and as someone who directs the brand vision of coalition, we say and do things all the time that people do not like. And we, and, and, um, <laughs> You can't, you really can't get out of it these days. So if you're not pissing people off, you're not doing something right. And it's a shame that people don't spend enough time getting to know you um, because that founder story really does sort of speak to, I would say like bigger issues that women face that we are told that we can't do things because we are too pretty. So essentially you've really reclaimed that as sort of this guiding mantra of, you know, we're not too pretty to do anything. Like we, women and girls can actually go out and do anything. Yeah, so and the, I appreciate yeah, that. And I think the other thing is that, you know, I don't want to feel like that I have to look a certain way for someone to take me seriously. So if I want to put some makeup on, because that's what I want to do, or if I want to put high heel shoes on, well, damn it, then I'm going to do it. Now, does that make me any less of a boxer or a good boxer or whatever? No, it doesn't. So that's, that's the other thing is that if you, if something makes you feel good, then do it. Don't cater to what somebody else thinks you should look like to be good at something. And it's true. Over at coalition, we call that um, zero fucks to give. (laughs) Zero fucks Uh, to give. Don't worry about what other people are are saying and doing so yeah. yeah i mean that's i mean that's essentially what the, the brand is and um it's tough because there's a lot of pc stuff now with like you know like i said when i started and it said never too pretty to hit like a boy the first line i ran said that like a boy and then the mm-hmm. and then there was a big campaign that came out and it was the like a girl campaign do you remember that that was like four mm-hmm. five years ago maybe something like that Mm-hmm. And then immediately, once that campaign came out and it was viral, then everybody was on that. And then all of a sudden, I got a bunch of nasty messages saying, well, why can't it be hit like a girl? Why can't it be this? Why can't it be that? And it's like, well, wait a minute. Before, no one had an issue with it. And now all of a sudden, there's an issue with it. Uh, so, you know, I, 
I took out like a boy because I do feel like you can be a girl and you can and you can hit like a girl and you can be just as powerful as what like a boy would be. And I truly do feel that. It was just that the my again my own personal experience was where the brown was derived from. Um and then all of a sudden because something was out there in the media and it was popular then all of a sudden everybody had something to say about it. But you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just, you know, things, things yeah. evolve. And, and as they evolve, we, we, you know, learn different things. And then on, on, you know, in addition, I think that people don't necessarily understand that we get to places in society where we're allowed to make changes. You know, there are, there are a lot of really phenomenal women who were doing things, you know, decades ago. And that's where this whole idea of like being ahead of your time, you know, like there are these gatekeepers in, in society. And so at some point to be able, you know, to sort of show up, you use the vernacular and you present in a way that's socially acceptable. And then as society shifts, we see that those boundaries are expanding. And it's really a beautiful time to be able to see that in the United States in particular, that we are seeing that women and girls are being, you know, respected (laughs) and, and represented in a different way. Yeah. I mean, we're fucking far away from being equal, being treated equally. So that's for sure. But we're, you know, we're we're moving in in the, in the right direction. And then also um, with just looking at how we're, you know, becoming more inclusive to understand, you know, the issues facing trans women and people who are more on the gender fluid scale and don't necessarily identify as a man or a woman. And then we're looking at like, how do you bring in people of, of color? Um, and so there's, there's so many things to be dealing with. And it's really an incredible time to be, to be able to participate in that. But we also know that you can't do everything perfectly things change pretty quickly and everybody's got an opinion and they don't even necessarily all line up now do they exactly yeah and you know like you're saying like we're definitely not we're not equal yet we're equal but we're not treated equal yet but the media is trying to look at us equally right but um some some are trying that way yeah absolutely (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to get there. I know it. I know it. I hope we get there in my lifetime. That would that would be nice to see. Yes, it would be. That would be nice to see. <laughs> well, Carrie, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. And for all of our listeners, if you want to get to know Carrie more, you can check out her brand, Too Pretty, on Instagram. And it's Too Pretty Brand. You can also visit her website at CarrieWilliams.com. Um, and you can learn more about her there. And Carrie, just thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you. It was great. I hope you've enjoyed our episode with Carrie from Too Pretty Brand. If you have any other entrepreneurs or founders or athletes or just general incredible human beings that you would love us to feature on the show, please send us an email at juicybits at coalitionsnow.com.